With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, welcoming you back to the show this week and boy, what a week it's been. Seems like 2020 is the year that just hasn't been a good year, just keeps going on and on and on and just seems the news goes from bad to worse each and every week and uh, this week has uh, just been another horrible week in the news and first of all let's just say right off the bat and right off the top of the show here that racism in any form in any shape in any manner is never acceptable and it's something that we really have to change right now it, it, it can't go on any longer and likewise the situations that we're seeing crimes being committed against citizens by those who are charged to serve and protect us just disturbs me to no end and uh, I really feel like we're at one of those moments, a turning point in history, and I hope that that we as a people can can make the necessary changes because the the way that things are going, it just can't go on the way that it is. It's just, it's been a horrible, horrible week again on uh, on top of uh, several horrible months, and what's been a pretty bad year so far. Anyways, I know we there, there's deeper issues here. And it's obviously a lot beyond the, the scope of this program. I mean, we all need to do our own bit to, to make this world a better place. But we are here to talk about uh, Formula One. So let's talk about that uh, for the next uh, little while because it's been a busy, busy week in the world of uh, Formula One. And there is a bit of news. Well, actually, there's a lot of news to talk about. And I'm hoping now that this is take two. Uh, you, you guys might have uh, noticed, uh, I think it was last week or the week before I signed off, saying that I regretted not bringing anything to drink into the studio when I sat down to drink or do the do the show and uh, I, I felt myself over the course of the entire hour just feeling rather thirsty and uh, you know rather drained and dry by by the time the show was uh, completely over so I thought tonight what I'll do I'll come down uh, and and I'll bring something uh, to drink with me and I, I suddenly re- remembered why I have a policy of not bringing liquids anywhere near my electronics because I got about three minutes into the show and then my drink went all over my my, my, my keyboard, all over everything here. And I've spent the past half an hour cleaning it up. And fortunately, most of um, the liquids went on me. So the, the equipment fortunately seems to, to be okay. I do, um, I do run everything off of my laptop here and I have a cool pad, which I use uh, all the time uh, when when I'm not recording the show, but I've got it engaged right now just because uh, things have to get uh, dried out uh, a little bit here. They are a little bit uh, soggy, so if you hear a bit of a hum or a drone in the background, uh, I do apologize uh, for that. Um, and next week, yeah, I'll make sure that uh, I, I do bring a drink into the studio, but what I'll do is I'll leave it on the side, and when we go away to break, I'll uh, I'll, I'll have it then rather than... Uh, 
the, uh, the the couple poor attempts that I've had to, to try and keep myself hydrated or not over the past couple of weeks. And you would think after doing, being in this line uh, of, uh, of media for the past, uh, well, going on seven years now, um, not just this show, but uh, the other program that I do, that I would have learned a couple of things by now. But uh, apparently I'm a slow learner. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, since we talked last week, we have, um, well, we have a season to look forward to. It is official. Uh, Formula One uh, revealed earlier this week that there is an eight-race schedule for the opening leg of the 2020 World Championship that will take place in Europe. So this is no real big surprise. We've been talking about this in one form or another over the past uh, several weeks as uh, the the world attempts to rebound from coronavirus and get back uh, to normal. Anyways... The season will kick off uh, with uh, double headers at the Red Bull Ring, and then also a double header at uh, Silverstone, and then just uh, one-off uh, races at uh, at four other venues. So here, this is what it looks like right now: uh, July fifth and twelfth, we will be at uh, the Red Bull Ring in Austria. July nineteenth, the Hungaro Ring in Hungary. August second and August nine, back-to-back uh, weekends in uh, Silverstone for the British Grand Prix, and August sixteenth, we're going to Barcelona in. Spain. Spain, August 30th, a spa, and September 6th is Monza for the Italian Grand Prix. And Monza and uh, and spa are basically in their traditional uh, time slot. So it's uh, good to, to know that this has finally been um, put down and, and it's locked in. So anyways, uh, round one will be the, uh, the Austrian Grand Prix. The second one will be the Styrian Grand Prix. Third uh, is Hungarian Grand Prix. British Grand Prix on uh, August 2nd. Sorry, it will be July 31st to August 2nd. And then and the, the second round at Silverstone is what uh, they're calling now the 70th anniversary of Formula One uh, Grand Prix. So there you go. Um, so this, uh, this is exciting. It's, it's, it's finally down in, in paper as we, we start to rebound from the whole COVID uh, pandemic. And uh, hopefully that uh, we can avoid a second wave in the fall. But, you know, it, it, it finally is nice to have something normal to look forward to from a sporting uh, perspective. And uh, Formula One said in a statement earlier this week, quote, due to the ongoing fluidity of the COVID-19 situation internationally, we will be finalizing the details of the wider calendar and hope to publish that in the coming weeks with an expectation of having a total 15 to 18 races before we complete our season in December. As stated previously, we currently expect the opening races to be closed events, but hope that fans will be able to join our events again when it is safe to do so, end quote. So there you go. Um, good to know that uh, that the postponed Spanish Grand Prix is actually back on the schedule now, uh, even though it's in a, in a spot that we never see. I mean, uh, the, uh, the, the Spanish Grand Prix would have been in the books by now had the season gone off as uh, planned. Usually gets in in the beginning uh, first half of May. Obviously, that uh, got um, uh, switched around. And uh, Hungary, which is usually the last uh, race of the the opening half of the season, usually uh, takes place towards the end of July uh, before the traditional uh, three-week uh, summer break. So that's been uh, moved forward for for two weeks uh, from their original date. So it's it's pretty cool um, that this is all, um, uh, you know, uh, getting sorted out. Uh, Silverstone, um, they, they do have um, some items, some subjects uh, that they have to comply with, with the um, some of the re- requirements that have been put in by the, uh, the, the government in the United Kingdom. Uh, um, but it's all good that uh, you know they're working forward uh, together, and it sounds like uh, this is all going to to finally happen. Anyways, uh, Chase Carey, a CEO of Formula One, had to just say, "Quote: In the past weeks, we have had been working tirelessly with all our partners, the FIA and the teams, to create a revised opening 2020 calendar, allowing us to restart racing in the safest possible way." 
We are pleased to be able to set out our opening eight race calendar today, and I look forward to publishing our full calendar in the coming weeks. I want to thank every promoter and partner for their support and ongoing commitment to Formula One. While we currently expect the season to commence without our fans at our races, we hope that over the coming months, the situation will allow us to welcome them back once it is safe to do so. But we know the return of Formula One will be a welcome boost to sports fans around the world, end quote. So there you go. Absolutely. It uh, It is going to be a welcome uh, boost uh, for most of us. Um, that uh, that well, obviously uh, for those of us that are Formula One fans, uh, nice to to know that uh, less than a month from now we will be uh, we we will be engaged in uh, what we've um, you know what we came here to do, and uh, this has been the off season like uh, we've never experienced before. I'd never well, I mean, who who would have thought after uh, the the uh, the season finale Abu Dhabi last year that the off season would have dragged on what going on seven, eight months now. <laughs> I feel completely lost count. Anyways, uh, moving along. So um, Formula One has said that uh, any team or driver uh, that pulls out of uh, the, uh, the the races once it's restarted uh, due to COVID-19 concerns will not uh, affect uh, the, 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 the races or stop them from going ahead when the season uh, resumes. Of course, uh, we're in a completely different uh, place than when we were two, three months ago uh, when we were at the, the, the Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne. And of course, course, uh, when there was, uh, I mean, this was when coronavirus, when COVID was really starting to kick off in, uh, you know, in, in Western uh, society. And uh, it, it really kind of mushroomed and snowballed uh, really quickly. And there were a lot of unknowns. I mean, it was still a fairly new thing. I mean, for most of us, we were looking at uh, situations, what was happening in China, what was happening in Iran, what was just starting to, to happen in Italy. And, you know, not a lot was known. But I mean, fast forward several months, I mean, uh, you know, the scientists and medical people, all around the world have a better understanding of uh, COVID-19. I mean, we're still a a long ways from getting a a vaccine or some sort of uh, feasible um, or effective treatment. So, who knows uh, when when that is coming? But I mean, uh, we do know more about the the disease and how it works and how it affects people, and uh, we we know what works and what doesn't work when it comes to uh, transmission. And that's the, the the thing that has been really drummed to us over the days and weeks and months. Here is uh, you know practice uh, social distancing, you know six feet or two meters apart. That seems to be the uh, you know the the magic uh, you know the magic number, and then the the whole thing of uh, you know <laughs> making sure you're not coughing, staying away from people when you're sick. Anyways, the uh, Formula One has put uh, together a guideline of over 80 pages that uh, that any traveling personnel will uh, be uh, be safe from any of the risks uh, of uh, coronavirus, any transmission once the, the season actually begins. And um, they, they've really apparently learned a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the cancellation of uh, the Australian Grand Prix. And, uh, you know, Formula One is, you know, by all accounts, has really worked overtime to make sure that they've covered every single uh, contingency, every single situation. And uh, in a statement uh, on their website, uh, Chase Carey was talking about uh, what would happen if uh, you know anybody in the paddock was uh, you know fell ill with COVID or a, a team pulled out uh, like McLaren did, and uh, he says uh, that would actually not force the cancellation of a race this time around. He had to say, "quote 
An individual having been found with a positive infection will not lead to a cancellation of a race. We encourage teams to have procedures in place so if an individual has to be put in quarantine, we have the ability to quarantine them at a hotel and replace that individual. Some things we'd have to talk through and work through. The array of what-ifs are too wide to play out to every one of them, but a team not being able to race wouldn't cancel the race. I don't think I could sit here and lay out the consequences, but we will have a procedure in place that finding infection will not lead to a cancellation. If a driver has an infection, the teams have reserved drivers available. We wouldn't be going forward if we were not highly confident we have the necessary procedures and expertise and capabilities to provide a safe environment and manage whatever issues arrive. End quote. So, yeah, I mean, this, uh, they were talking a couple of weeks ago, there was uh, some news about, uh, you know, some of the, you know, the, the really, well, I mean, anybody that's, uh, you know, in the medical profession is a smart person to begin with, and I have a lot of respect for them. But uh, some of the 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 the, the, uh, the medical people uh, and uh, and doctors that advise uh, Formula One, the FIA, they were talking a couple of weeks ago just about um, you know some of the different uh, plans that they could have uh, going forward, and uh, they, they seemed uh, you know fairly confident even even back then that uh, that uh, that that any possible uh, flare-ups or any uh, instances of uh, COVID in uh, in Formula One in the paddock uh, could be uh, dealt with. And um, they, they seemed at that time very confident uh, moving forward. I mean, the, you know, it's, uh, it's a serious uh, illness and uh, obviously it, it tends to really affect those uh, much older than, uh, you know, o- older people in, uh, in society and those that, uh, that are vulnerable. But the, the, the thing is that even though most people uh, do just, the, the, the illness runs its course and um, they, they recover completely it is highly contagious and um, it, unfortunately it really does re- cause a lot of damage and uh, you know to, to very vulnerable or elderly people so uh, Formula One uh, they do have the plan in place and um, it's it's going to be interesting to watch uh, I mean not interesting in uh, in you know so should something happen in a good way but uh, there there's a lot <clears throat> Excuse me. There is a lot riding on them uh, getting to write, so I certainly uh, hope that uh, that what they've got planned, all the contingencies, all the measures that they put in place, are going to be effective and that uh, they work. All right. Well, on to the next item, and uh, that is just uh, with the the remainder of the uh, the the twenty twenty season. Obviously, we have uh, eight races confirmed up until the beginning of uh, September. So you know, book your calendars now for the next uh, three months, from uh, beginning of July to the beginning of uh, September. And everything that happens between now and uh, opening day in Austria, less than a month from now. But uh, obviously, there there still are seven to ten races that are going to come. If they're going to fill up that uh, that calendar with fifteen to eighteen races by the time we hit to December in six months from now, I mean, it's it's going to be fairly hectic and and, and a fairly compressed uh, schedule, especially once we hit the other side. Of the first of uh, September, if uh, especially if we're going to get uh, ten races in between September and December, I mean, obviously, uh, going to uh, back to the desert in Abu Dhabi, maybe that uh, can be pushed back a couple of weeks. Um, weather shouldn't be an issue there. Uh, I'm not uh, completely hundred percent familiar with uh, with the climate uh, there and what it's like at that time of year, but uh, obviously they are looking at all measures to get that done. And uh, Chase Carey was saying, and he's still con- confident uh, that uh, that they 
they're going to pull this off. And um, he was saying uh, again on the the official F1's uh, website, uh, quote, we're not going to give a deadline right now. With the fluidity of the situation, a deadline would create pressures which may not be right and realistic for the situation. So we're thinking of goals. Our goal would be before the end of June, if not to complete the rest of the calendar, is to have a handle on it. We know what we would like to try and do. We have other options if some things don't come together. We do expect that there are races on the calendar which will probably still not occur. I think we certainly have options, end quote. So the races in Azerbaijan, Russia, Japan, Vietnam, China, the USA, Mexico, Brazil, Bahrain, and Abu Dhabi, are they're still expected to take place at some point on this uh, revised uh, schedule. I mean, a lot of the, the, the races, obviously, that, uh, that took place earlier in the year, Canada, Australia, Monaco, Holland, uh, you know, unfortunately, they all got uh, got cancelled or uh, postponed. And then eventually, uh, you know, even they were postponed with some sort of hope of maybe being put on the schedule later in the year. They were just uh, completely uh, written off. I mean, Holland, uh, the, the Dutch Grand Prix was the, the, the latest. I mean, that was uh, only cancelled about a, a week or 10 days ago. But still, I mean, that is a lengthy list of, uh, of races there. I mean, going from Azerbaijan to Abu Dhabi and a lot of countries uh, in between, including uh, three stops in, in Asia. That, that, um, that is, I think, a very ambitious uh, plan. And uh, I, you know, like I said, I, I'm a little bit skeptical. I, I really hope that they, uh, they can pull it off, but we will just have to wait and see what happens over the coming uh, weeks. And um, certainly by the end of the month, uh, judging by what, uh, what Chase Carey was saying on the F1 website, is if the, the the remainder of the schedule, the, the, the last seven to ten races, if they are not uh, confirmed, then we should have some sort of provisional calendar in place by the end of this month. And then uh, we, we should know what uh, what the season really is going to look like. Anyways, uh, we still have uh, a couple more things uh, to talk about uh, in regards uh, to this. And we're going to do that. Uh, but, you know, I'm just looking at the time here. We're, we're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to dive into it, so don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the show here on the Overtime Media Network. And yes, well, let's uh, talk about uh, the, the Formula One World Championship 2020. It is a go. And apparently, even with the eight race European season, should they manage to pull that off and the rest of the season doesn't actually happen, then apparently this uh, will actually qualify as a, as a World Championship. So uh, usually the World Championship uh, has to visit three continents uh 
uh, and that is in the uh, the FIA's own international sporting code. But uh, with the when when they actually look into the the definition or the designation of world, it notes, quote, the cup trophy challenge or series calendar must include competitions taking place on at least three continents during the same season. End quote. Anyways, uh, a source of the FIA has uh, said that the because of the unprecedented uh, situation with the uh, the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic means that the, that requirement uh, will not have to to uh, you know be met. And uh, obviously, you would think in extreme uh, circumstances that there there would be some uh, some flexibility uh, because of that. So I'm uh, I'm encouraged. I'm glad to to hear that. And uh, you know, like everybody else, I'm just really looking forward to to getting racing. And I, I really hope that the the, the situation with COVID out there in in our communities, in our cities, in our countries, uh, you know, just globally, that um, that 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 this thing is just going to you know tail off, and 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 hopefully, I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that uh, this thing isn't going to rebound in a couple of months. Who knows? That's uh, that's uh, really uh, to be seen. But uh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, obviously, we, we have an eight race uh, season, and if we can uh, pull these uh, you know these eight races off uh, between now and the uh, the, the beginning of uh, September, that should things. Uh, get bad again and you know we can't go uh, racing for the remainder of the season from uh, September to the you know whatever the the end is uh, in December of this year sometime that uh, at least these eight re- uh, races would count as a as a as a world championship so that's uh, that's good to know and also th- this is cool as well that um, Formula One, uh, they are actually hoping to to have uh, fans back in attendance at uh, at races by sometime in the autumn. I mean, that seems like a really really long time uh, from from now. Uh, you know, just uh, based obviously on everything else that that is happening uh, everywhere else. I mean, uh, just uh, from the COVID point of view, and just uh, how quickly and rapidly and how fluid that uh, situation uh, can be at uh, times. Anyways, uh, Chase Carey was uh, saying uh, earlier this week, quote, "Fans are incredibly." Important. In many ways, we compete for fans, so we'd love to have the fans at these events. But I think we recognize the safety requirements of the risks that still exist, and we have to take steps uh, towards that. We like to have the fans, and honestly, as soon as we think we can do it in a safe way for everyone involved, the fans and all those involved in the sport. We have talked about goals to have fans at the races in the fall. It may not be back to stands that are packed to the raffers, but in limited capacity fan events. So I think it is a goal to be able to include the fans, but it is a goal really realistically to do it in a way that when we believe we can do it safely for everybody end quote and obviously that that is the the, the big issue is uh, you know it's great to get racing going again it'd be a uh, great uh, that you know everything goes off uh, hopefully uh, with uh, the, the the minimal amount of problems uh, once we get going here in a couple of weeks that uh, that that's by the fall by the autumn we are able to to get people back in the stands to attend them but of course like everything else that uh, that if it is not uh, you know feasible or or uh, prudent to, to do so in a safe uh, manner, even in a, in a reduced uh, capacity, I don't know, say 50%, whatever it is of the, the, the capacity, you know, keeping spaces uh, between uh, people, uh, you know, in, in the stands, then, you know, it would, uh, it would, it would be all for naught, really. All these, uh, you know, sacrifices and, and all these things that we've done to, to really try and get uh, COVID under control over the past uh, several months. And um, I, I'm sure F1 would uh, really not like, or really does not want to get in the situation where they become a transmission vector. That's a, that's a, a phrase I'd never heard before a couple of months ago, before this uh, pandemic uh, became a real thing. And, uh, you know, the phrase transmission vector was just uh, one of these new phrases uh, or terms that, uh, like everyone else, 
I've all had to, to learn. Okay. Um, anyways, uh, just uh, talking about uh, some of these, um, uh, you know, possibilities for the the remainder of the year. So the the Sochi Autodrome, home of the Russian Grand Prix, they are also open to the idea of uh, hosting a, a double header. And uh, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess uh, you know it, it, we shouldn't complain. I mean, if we can get to Formula One uh, up and going in a couple of uh, weeks here, we shouldn't uh, we should be uh, ungrateful or complaining. Oh well, I don't want to see back to back races in too many places. But hey, what? Whatever. If it gets uh, going, that uh, that that would be a great thing. I mean, you know, there's still some possibilities. Emila Mugello and Hockenheim are, have uh, also been uh, thrown out there, and uh, because it is, um, you know, Baku, Singapore, and uh, Japan, you know, they're they're still a little bit uh, up in the air. So who knows uh, once it all gets uh, gets going? But anyways, uh, Sochi, you know. I kind of have mixed feelings on that track. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of uh, of street circuits uh, to begin with. But I mean, Sochi is an interesting track because it's it's kind of like a it's a street circuit, but it's also a purpose built uh, racetrack in the middle of a city. So it's it's a bit unique and a bit strange in that regard. A little bit. But not completely like uh, like uh, Azerbaijan, like Baku City Circuit, but that that still has uh, you know the the circuit is basically on all the the, the city streets, uh, much like it uh, it is for for Monaco or Singapore, or one of those other uh, other races. So I mean, Sochi is a little bit different. Anyway, that, that's a bit of a a different uh, a spokesman for the Russian uh, Grand Prix uh, promoter said, uh, "Quote: Currently, we're working with colleagues from Formula One on various options for holding the Russian Grand Prix. This applies to both the format uh, of the weekend and the number of." races. If necessary, we do not exclude the possibility of holding two rounds. Sochi has an excellent modern infrastructure that our partners appreciate. In terms of organization, the Rosgonsky team is ready for several racing weekends in Sochi. The final format of the race will be determined after additional consultations with experts and analysis of the current situation with coronavirus, end quote. So who knows? We might see uh, back-to-back weekends in Sochi and uh, wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, I I think that, uh, you know, that, you know, having these places maybe if they can keep them uh you know isolation or isolated that seems to have been a, a real catchphrase over the past uh, several months but keeping the formula one sort of self-contained in an area for a couple of weeks not not a bad idea and uh if, if it's a venue that's uh, fully prepared and able to to, to meet that and uh, and keep them uh you know in you know going for a couple of weeks i think it certainly uh has to uh be considered uh you know very closely for the remainder of the season Anyways, now, now here are a couple of interesting uh, pieces of news that also came out uh, this week regarding uh, the Hungarian and the Italian Grand Prix. So the the Hungarian Grand Prix on the calendar now, uh, extending until the year 2020, uh, 2027, pardon me, after uh, the race promoters have uh, agreed to a one-year extension on their current contract. So that's uh, that's kind of interesting. And uh, Hungaro Ring, that's also kind of a weird track. I know it was designed to, to be kind of like a... Uh, a, 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 a very similar to like uh, Monaco, even though it's a, a purpose-built uh, racetrack out of uh, Budapest, out in the countryside. And, you know, there really are only a couple of uh, places that, uh, that, that that you can pass on that track. And I also always thought it was very, very... I shouldn't say it's boring, but, uh, you know, it, it can be kind of a tough uh, track to pass on. I mean, uh, we've seen it over the years that you just have to drive a bit of a wide car if you're a bit slow. And I mean, the, the only real uh, places that, that, that you can, that are feasible to pass are going uh, into turn one at the end of the straightaway and then, 
uh, going down the hill, there's that first, uh, or I guess, uh, maybe second DRS zone as you uh, come around the, the the first corner down the hill into where Max and uh, Danny Ricardo had the coming together a couple of years ago. That that That's a place where you can pass too. But, uh, you know, and I know video games are different than real life uh, driving, but I found some of these circuits that, uh, you know, that, that I don't always enjoy watching Formula One race on in real life. I found at least from a, a video game uh, perspective that uh, they can actually be kind of fun to drive on. So <laughs> I don't know what it's like in a real car, but certainly when it comes to playing Formula One on the on the PS4, that uh, that the Hungara Ring is um, it's kind of cool. Anyways, uh, yeah, so they're they're on the calendar now for another year until 2027, and the Italian Grand Prix. Remember that uh, it was just a, a couple of years ago that uh, it, it was a, a real possibility that uh, the Italian Grand Prix may actually cease to exist, might fall off uh, the calendar. But uh, much like um, the Hungarian Grand Prix, uh, Monza has uh, extended by another year uh, to uh, up until the end of uh, 2025. So that's uh, that's very cool, and Monza is one. One of my favorite uh, tracks. I, I don't know. There's just uh, something about Monza, the the, the history. I think it's kind of cool, e- even though they don't ra- race on the old banked uh, corners and everything like that. I mean, that's uh, that sort of thing is a, a bygone era in 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 Formula One at any rate. But uh, it is kind of cool to see like uh, the the old uh, banking on parabolic. And uh, I mean, gosh, could you imagine what it would have been like uh, back in the day to watch those cars racing around there? And, uh, you know, I, I'm, for those of you that, uh, that, uh, that live in the UK and have been to the old Brooklyn's, uh, circuit, uh, just outside of London and Weybridge, that is, uh, impressive because, I mean, you know, Brooklyn's, uh, as a circuit has been defunct for, I, I don't even know how long. I mean, it's uh, been decades and decades and decades, but uh, portions of the old track uh, still exist. And you can walk up some of the banking. And and I went there a number of years ago when uh, when I was in my teens. My, my dad took us on a, on, a, on a trip to the UK to visit family. And uh, we went to, to Brooklyn's there. And I just remember walking up the banking and just how steep it was really was uh it was really a, a bit of a mind blower it was really really uh impressive so i think it's, it's going to be interesting especially once we get back to, to zanfort uh, next year for the for the dutch grand prix what the the, the banking that they've added to the to the circuit there it looks really cool <clears throat> and it's going to be something to see modern formula one cars going around that so uh really uh looking forward to, to seeing that <clears throat> See, I, I should have taken a break. Should I have my drink earlier? Anyways, I'm going to soldier on only a couple of minutes away from, from the next break. So we're going to tackle the next story before we head into our next commercial break here. <clears throat> Or maybe sooner. Anyway, so there is uh, and some some life coming back into Formula One. Things are starting to open up. It's it's finally getting up and going again. But like everywhere else, everyone in Formula One is working in the new normal, the new reality, whatever you want to call it. And so that their people are finally going back to to work uh, for for the different Formula One teams in, in the factories, in the offices after you know a couple of months of uh, being shut down because of a uh, coronavirus. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting uh, to see some of the pictures uh, from some of the different, uh, you know, uh, some of the different uh, Formula One teams. 
that uh, these uh, workspaces that uh, used to be sort of an open concept, uh, now they have uh, sort of uh, plexiglass dividers uh, between them. You see the um, you know the team personnel sitting there with the uh, you know the, with, with the masks over their faces and things like that. So it's 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 very strange. You know that that's one of the things I've heard is that uh, you know that uh, some of these uh, spreads of coronavirus that we've that they've seen around the world, especially in like office environments, it it, it can be spread because of the uh, the the way that the you know the air circulates uh, through the buildings. So it's it's interesting that some of the pictures uh, I was looking at was uh, from the uh, the Alpha Tauri factory, which uh, opened on Monday of the, this uh, week, and uh, that's uh, they they had some uh, opera sorry uh, they um, they resumed operations at the production facilities at the the, the week uh, before, but uh, you know it, it's 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 very different. Uh, there was uh, you know they put up signs outside the uh, then their factory just uh, you know reminding uh, people that work there about social distancing, and so there you know one of the things is that. Um, one of the things that they have is that uh, that only a limited number of people can actually come into the office, into the factories. Uh, and, uh, you know, right now they're working with about, uh, you know, roughly 50 percent of the people that uh, they uh, usually have. So uh, Alpha Tauri, they're also splitting shifts, uh, trying to minimize the crossover of staff of people coming and going uh, and, and departments uh, within the factory, within the offices, uh, trying to keep to themselves without uh, crossing over. And uh, they have their own designated doorways and stairwells and things like that, uh, you know, to, to prevent uh, people uh, potentially cross-contaminating uh, each other. And that's just, uh, again, another reminder of this crazy COVID world that uh, that we're living in and uh, we will continue to live in for the next, uh, you know, untold weeks and, and months ahead, uh, possibly. Anyways, uh, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We still have lots and lots to talk about. And we got some rumors to talk about where we're going to talk about Total Wolf uh, rumors a little bit later on in the show. So if you want to hear that, stick around. We will be coming back after this uh, very short message from our, our very generous sponsors. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Yeah, I've, I've hydrated myself. Fortunately, it's um, all the liquids went where they're supposed to go. Didn't end up uh, on the keyboard or anything like that. So that's uh, that's a bit of a win considering how uh, the night has gone so far here at the studio. Anyways, uh, let's let's talk a little bit uh, now about uh, what things uh, might uh, look like uh, once we get back. I mean, we, we were talking just now about the uh, the provisional calendar, or sorry, the 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 opening uh, leg, the European leg of the uh, the 2020 World Championship, and uh, the, you know they've been uh, looking at uh, a lot of uh, different scenarios. They've been uh, talking about uh, you know uh, well, obviously double headers is one running uh, uh, races in reverse. Uh, you know they're, they're talking about uh, mixing up tire compounds. Anyways, uh, Chase Carey was saying that uh, they're they're continuing to look at uh, different ideas to experiment with uh, race uh, formats in 2020. Um, and uh, uh, well, one of the things that they were looking at was a reverse uh, grid qualifying race, um, that, but that was not uh, approved. That didn't uh, go ahead. Uh, so there there are different uh, things, but uh, they want to experiment, but they do not want to have uh, what uh, what Chase uh, calls uh, gimmicks. And he had to say, "quote." Uh, we have had uh, discussions in the past couple of years about how we should look at ways to make some of changes uh, that honor the sport, respect what made the sport great, but we think we could uh, be changes that would enhance the experience for fans. We've talked uh, about a couple in the coronavirus context of these uh, two doubleheader races.
cases. At this point, we've had one that's been publicized about a reverse grid that not all teams were comfortable with. And making change, uh, changes in the short time frame requires the unanimity of support. We're changing almost in real time inside the season, but we'll continue to look at ideas. We want to make sure that they're not gimmicks, end quote. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, some of them I, I think were kind of uh, interesting, but I don't want anything gimmicky as well. And uh, and, and I think that was the big issue that, um, you, you remember that sort of knockout qualifying that uh, that they uh, tried, uh, you know, a couple several years ago now. On paper, it, it sounded like a like a good idea. I thought it had a lot of potential, but when it came into reality, I mean, it it just did not work uh, work at all. And it was it was a bit of a joke because, you know, it it was when it came to guys that uh, that still had a chance to to qualify, but uh, you know, realistically, they knew that they wouldn't. They wouldn't even go out onto the track. You know, you'd see guys walking around in the you know, they're sort of a, they're, they're pit gear, you know, with the, the hat on, the sunglasses, the, you know, the, the water bottle, uh, walking around, uh, for photo ops and, uh, you know, uh, and, and getting, uh, you know, talking to, uh, the, the media or the, you know, the guys on the pit wall, whatever it might be. And that was just, uh, disastrous. I mean, it only lasted a couple of races and they went back to the, um, you know, the tried and true top 10, uh, knockout format, which has been around for, years and years at this point and uh you know i i think it's a system that uh, that works uh, pretty good anyway so so that i i think it's a good idea that uh, that they stick uh you know or they they do look at uh, different ideas but uh, don't make it uh, too uh, too gimmicky i mean some of the different ones that uh, that, that they did talk about was uh, the reverse grid plan and the the, the reverse uh you know running uh, re- uh, races in reverse or, or counterclockwise whatever the uh or counter to what the the the, the normal way around the track is i mean these are all things that are are a good idea and i think uh, our options uh, considering um, you know the, the limited uh world that we live in at the moment and uh you know if you if you're doing a, a back-to-back race one weekend you know why not uh, run it to, in reverse uh, the, the next week uh, if, that, if that's a possibility Anyways, uh, one one thing that uh, that that I liked, uh, one idea that they have is uh, you know mixing up uh, tire compounds uh, between some of these doubleheader events, so in Austria and uh, and uh, and and Britain, to make things uh, a little bit uh, different uh, for the for the second uh, race. And um, well, you know, <laughs> it's difficult uh, sometimes to get uh, you know unanimous support in in Formula One, but I, I think it is a good idea, and I think that uh, you know if they were to do that, it would make it. Uh, I, I think it would make it interesting, and I think uh, I. I hope that uh, this gets a little bit more uh, consideration uh, by the teams uh, in the paddock. And, uh, you know, I certainly do not think that would be a, a bad idea should they decide to, to, to go that route. So uh, Mercedes, they were uh, the, the team that uh, rejected the, the reverse uh, grid plan. And uh, Toto Wolff, the uh, the team principal to Mercedes, uh, explained his reasons why uh, Mercedes uh, blocked uh, this this move uh, to to have this uh, reverse grid qualifying races uh, this year. And uh, well, he insist, and and this is the you know the I guess it's the word of the week uh, because he uh, he said he he insists uh, that uh, that Formula One doesn't need gimmicks. So I don't know, maybe uh, he and uh, Chase Carey were separated at birth or have some sort of uh, unspoken telepathic uh, link. Anyways, uh, Toto had to say, "quote uh, It's seems to be a common pattern in Formula One that we're digging out old ideas that have been analyzed previously and rejected. Then then somebody thinks it's great and it's back again on the agenda. So you need to look at the reasons why we are against it. And there's three fundamental reasons. 
First, I believe that Formula One is a meritocracy. Best man and best machine wins. We don't need a gimmick to turn the field around to create a more exciting racing. Number two, I know from touring car racing that strategies become very useful tool when one race's result is basically making the grid for the next one. Just imagine uh, one of the drivers not running well in the Sunday race of the first Spielberg race, uh, weekend and you decide to DNF the car. That will be the car that starts from the pole for the quali race. And the car starting a pole and the quali race is within the midfielders. He will certainly be on the pole for Sunday and win the race. There will be cars in the middle that will defend and block as much as they can. And therefore, for the quick cars coming from behind, it will mean more risk for a DNF and that could influence the championship. And then third, from a pure performance standpoint, whoever the fastest car may be, and it is not necessarily us, will be penalized compared to the second and third quickest teams because they can simply start in front. As we know, the margins are often not very large, so therefore it's a bit of an opportunistic move as some teams gain an advantage, end quote. So there you go. Uh, total laying it out uh, why they were against uh, all of that, uh, you know, the, the the reverse qualifying thing. And I, I don't really like that idea. When, when I heard that discussed a couple of years ago, uh, I was uh, never really a, a big fan of it. I like the idea of double headers. I like the ideas of, uh, you know, running the races in reverse. I like the idea of mixing up the tire compounds. You know, let, let's not make it any uh, any crazier than uh, than it needs to be. So you can put me firmly in the anti gimmick uh, camp. Anyways, uh, Mercedes uh, they want to test at Silverstone uh, before uh, the return to uh, racing in uh, you know in a couple of weeks. And uh, they, they said on Twitter earlier this uh, week uh, that uh, each of their drivers will get one day of running uh, each in uh, one of their 2018 uh, cars. So uh, Valtteri Bottas will go first on uh, Tuesday, followed by Lewis Hamilton uh, on the Wednesday, and they will be uh, driving the uh, the Mercedes W09 in a two-day test uh, as the team uh, practices uh, ahead of the return uh, to racing in Austria next month. So that's uh, kind of uh, cool. Anyways, uh, current F1 regulations do not allow for official in-season testing of current cars, but uh, Mercedes is kind of uh, uh, venting or sort of circumventing that uh, that rule by uh, using an old uh, a low, an old car to get in as much uh, mileage uh, as it wants. So. <clears throat> I think that's uh, that, that's a good idea. I mean, uh, I'm sure that uh, all these guys have been putting time in the in the simulator to to, to practice as much as they can. But uh, you know, there's nothing like uh, the the real thing uh, to get out there and, uh, and and do it on the on the track itself. So I think that's kind of a cool way. So, anyways, uh, just talking uh, now about some of these, uh, you know, the the rules and uh, you know the cost cap that that came in. So th- this is an interesting uh, admission from um, Surreal Beatable team principal at uh, Renault, and uh, he said that uh, their team uh, would have had no interest in continuing as a, a second team, uh, sorry, a second tier team in Formula One. Had the uh, the rules not gone uh, undergone the, the the big change for 2021 and uh, beyond, so it, I, I was kind of really wondering because you know there there was some uh, there, there was a little bit of smoke there before that uh, you know that that was all confirmed that the uh, the, the rules package for 2021 well which has obviously been uh, deferred and delayed for a little bit uh, because of the uh, you know for a year because of the the whole COVID thing uh, you know they they were starting to make uh, some you know some I wouldn't say some statements but they were I think starting to hint uh, at uh, and maybe a, a future without uh, Renault in Formula One. So I, I'm glad that uh, that they've decided to stay in the in 
the sport and uh, that uh, the, the rule changes uh, for 2022 now uh, were a big uh, part of that. It actually sounds like uh, the, the, one of the main reasons. And I also wonder, too, that uh, what the cost cap in place, the new rules, and uh, you know, once uh, we start to rebound and the, uh, the economy around the, the world starts to get back on track, whether or not uh, that will uh, you know, attract anyone else to, to come in Formula 1, either as an engine supplier or as a constructor or uh, as both. So uh, who knows? Anyways, uh, Abitabul um, had to say, uh, quote, there's been lots of speculation regarding Renault's commitment in F1. I think clearly she's put a stop to the speculation that was necessary. Obviously, there was an announcement of major plans, a review that the way the company was operating, the priorities of the company, and therefore I guess there was some speculation that F1 could be seen as an opportunity to save costs. But actually she, so anyways, um, he's uh, talking about uh, the interim uh, CEO at um, at uh, Renault, uh, Clotilde Del Bos. And um, anyways, uh, he said, uh, obviously, there was announcement of major plans, a review of the way the company was uh, operating and the priorities of the company. Therefore, I guess there was some speculation of F1 could be seen to, as an opportunity to save costs, to repeat myself. Anyways, but actually, she has made it clear that it is not just a cost, but also an investment. And the costs associated with that investment were becoming better and better and not just because of the last regulations. Frankly, it's an ongoing process and it's not the just the process and the announcement of last week. The pro- process actually started basically when we came back in 2016. It was our expectation that at some point there would be some financial regulations containing the arms race and also on the engine side and so on and so forth. We've been driving and lobbying for that uh, for that since that point. And clearly with the recent announcements, there was no reason not to make it uh, clear that Renault is fully committed, end quote. So there you go. Great news. I'm glad to to see that uh, they're sticking around. And uh, what with the, you know, the new rules and uh, with the cost cap uh, coming in for 2020, I'm really wondering and, and going to be looking at teams uh, like Renault to see what this uh, this new environment uh, of, of Formula One, what, what is going to do and uh, how they respond and, uh, you know, what, what uh, how, how their cars uh, will uh, do in the in the in the new uh, in the new Formula One. So we will find out uh, maybe not uh, right away, but uh, we will uh, over time. Anyways, uh, Christian Horner, team principal at uh, Red Bull, says uh, his team has nothing at all to fear from the, from the cost cap. And of course, uh, you know, that uh, 2021 uh, is going down to $145 million uh, per year, and then going down to 140 in 2022 and 135, $135 million uh, you know, the year after in 2023. So uh, interesting uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, Horner, uh, you know, had to say that, but he had to say, quote, I think you've got to look at what's right for the business. And sometimes self-interest is outweighed by interests of the sport. I've taken a holistic view of this, and I believe the cream will always rise to the top at the end of the day. So whatever the regulations are, it is down to us to adapt to ensure that we're as competitive as we can be. It's something we've been successful doing over the years, and we'll have to apply that again with this set of technical sporting and financial regs. Uh, end quote. So yeah, I, I think that is very, very um, insightful from uh, from Christian Horner. And uh, I, I really agree with the one statement where he says uh, he believes that the cream will always rise to the top at the end of the day. And I, I think that, uh, you know, that that is very true. It, it's, it's not always how much you spend, but how you spend it and where you spend it. And I think that, uh, it, you know, obviously there's going to have to be some uh, restructuring. Uh, you know, some teams may have to downsize, uh, you know, the, the, the amount of staff that they're working, whatever that, you know, they, they have to do. There, there There's going to be some adjustments, obviously, that, uh, that that's going to happen. But I, I do agree that, uh, you know, in, in that environment, um, and maybe you've got to find a different way to do things. And uh, in Formula One, 
if nothing else, is all about uh, ingenuity and 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 using you know the stuff uh, between our ears, and uh, you know working within uh, those rules, those regulations, and uh, I, I think it just uh, I, I think it ups the ante. I think it makes the challenge greater that uh, you can't necessarily spend your way out of a problem or you know spend your way to success. And I mean, uh, and I think that. Uh, not that uh, necessarily teams uh, do that. Uh, I, I mean, like I say, I mean you can spend all the money in the world, but if you don't know how to spend it uh, or spend it wisely, it doesn't automatically guarantee uh, success. But uh, I, I do think that uh, maybe it uh, it could have that uh, potential. So we'll wait and see whether or not that uh, that actually uh, comes to uh, comes to pass. Anyways, just just talking now about a story that we were looking at uh, last week, and uh, th- this is the whole uh, situation that's uh, going on uh, with Williams. I mean. They, they, they made an announcement uh, last week that the team is uh, either partially or completely up for sale. Uh, you know, they, they terminated uh, their sponsorship uh, deal with uh, with Rocket, uh, so then they're gone. Anyways, uh, Ross Braun, uh, Formula One Managing Director of Motorsports, says that uh, they're, quote, fairly serious people that are considering uh, investing in the Williams uh, team. So that 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 is interesting. And Braun had to say, quote, the Williams situation has got to be dealt with, but there's some fairly serious people looking at Williams, and I think it shows that there's a decent model behind it to, to make it a serious consideration, end quote. So, yeah, well, I mean, uh, we will uh, we will wait and see uh, whether or not, uh, you know, they actually uh, do sell the team either uh, uh, partially or uh, completely. But uh, they, they did bring recently uh, 28 million pounds into the company, uh, you know, because of loan uh, arrangements uh, that they made in April. And, uh, you know, some of that uh, will be, uh, you know, paid in part back uh, by uh, you know, April 22 and the rest over a, a longer uh, time frame. I mean, you know, the news coming out uh, at that time, especially from from Williams, I mean, as uh, you know, the the whole uh, you know the, the the lockdown and the pandemic thing really started to, to settle in. I mean, Williams wasn't one of those teams in Formula One where the news coming out was not great. I was you know actually quite worried that this. Uh could be a, a very nasty uh, and, and very bad situation for them. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I do have some sort of mixed feelings about, uh, you know, that them, you know, selling the team either partially or completely. But, you know, Claire Williams, who's a team principal, having uh, succeeded her, her father, Sir Frank Williams, uh, says that, uh, you know, that the the move that a, a possible sale, uh, either partially or wholly of the team, should not be viewed as, quote, anything other than positive, so th- this is after they reported a 13 million pound loss through 2019. And, um, well, I mean, th- this is a team that has uh, been struggling quite badly for the past uh, several years. I mean, uh, they've been in Formula One now since uh, debuting way back in 1977. They've won nine constructors titles, seven drivers uh, championships, so many races, so many great uh, drivers have uh, have driven for them over the years. And it- it's painful to watch. I mean, uh, McLaren as well. Uh, I mean, that's why last year, 2019, was uh, was for me, it was a, a breath of uh, fresh air, maybe a, a bit of a relief to see uh, McLaren going uh, back in the right uh, direction. And uh, certainly uh, hope that uh, that that uh, Williams can start uh, doing, you know, moving in the right uh, direction as uh, well. Anyways, uh, Williams had to say, quote, I've been getting many emails about condolence from people and I get that it's much appreciated, but I'm looking at it from a very, really pers- positive perspective. There's something that will ensure that the future sustainability of our team, the Williams family has always been about that. We put our team first. We put its uh, success first. 
And the investment that we're looking for is going to help us achieve that. For me, this is a good thing that we're doing, and it shouldn't be looked on in a negative way, in a disappointing way, or anything other than positive. The people here understand that. The people at Williams understand it, and I think they're excited. This can potentially give us a very positive future, end quote. Anyways, uh, we will uh, wait and see. The, you know, there, there obviously uh, seem to be uh, some uh, some interested uh, parties, and uh, you, know, well, you know, obviously, if uh, this is going to go anywhere, there will be a, an announcement at some point. And uh, once some of these things uh, get uh, sorted out, we'll get uh, Christian Silt from uh, Formula Money back uh, on the show uh, to get his uh, two cents and his analysis on uh, on how this is all going. Because uh, we we've had uh, a couple of months into this uh, new reality and and you know what it means uh, for Formula One. So this uh, Williams situation and a potential sale is just uh, you know the latest step. Uh, so it'd be interesting uh, just to hear somebody uh, like Christian who has a, a very good uh, idea, a very good understanding uh, of the the, the sport and its uh, financials workings and uh, what that would uh, mean. Anyways, uh, time for one final break here on uh, the show this week. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. And we've got a couple more things to talk about before we shut it down. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So Aston Martin, yes, they are going to be back uh, or they're going to be in Formula One next year. That's going to be the the rebrand of uh, Racing Point after the the big investment of uh, Lawrence Stroll and his uh, investors, his uh, consortium into uh, Aston Martin itself. I mean, obviously, Lawrence was the, the savior of uh, Force India, which uh, morphed into Racing Point a couple of years ago. And uh, th- this Aston Martin coming uh, to, into Formula One, I mean, they've been a, a sponsor of uh, Red Bull for the past uh, several years. So it's a really, uh, you know, I think it's cool. I think it's uh, it's good to see, and it's good to see, uh, you know, a well known mark, a well known brand like Aston Martin coming into Formula One. Uh, but uh, they they insist that they are not looking for a headline name for 2021, and uh, that comes um, courtesy of team boss Otmar Safnauer who said uh, the team isn't in the market for a new uh, driver uh, in uh, in 2021. So, I mean, some people have been uh, suggesting that uh, Sebastian Vettel might be, uh, uh, you know, a fit to go to the new team, uh, especially uh, because he has uh, close links uh, with, uh, you know, uh, Mercedes and, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, uh, Aston has that as well. Anyways, uh, Sergio Perez, who's, uh, you know, he's in there and he's got uh, lots of, uh, you know, a big sponsorship uh, money coming out of, uh, you know, Mexico. He has a, a multi-year uh, deal with the team. And uh, Lance Stroll's uh, seat uh, beside him in the second uh, racing point is uh, supposedly also uh, secure for the you know the the foreseeable uh, future. Anyway, with Safnauer, I had to say, quote. It's certainly been an interesting few weeks in the driver market with some headline-grabbing moves out there. I'm sure it's kept the fans entertained and the media busy, but from our perspective, the headline for next season is the name above the factory doors rather than the names in the cockpit. So that's kind of an interesting uh, admission by 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 Safnauer. And, you know, this is a, a team that's always done, uh, you know, uh, more with less. You know, I know I've said that, uh, you know, quite a few times on the show over the years, but uh, that certainly is the case. And I, I, I don't know. I mean... Uh, Obviously, uh, Vettel, uh, you know, he's still, uh, you know, I, I think he's got uh, life left him in, in him in Formula One. I, I think that, um, you know, a change uh, would do him good. So it's interesting. I mean, there obviously are a couple of uh, potential uh, places that he could go for 
2021. She decided to, you know, decide to keep uh, racing. You know, I, I'm not completely sure. Uh, you know, I, I'm still putting, let's just put it out there that I would, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, Vettel also uh, decides uh, equally just, uh, you know, to hang up his, uh, his helmet and his gloves and, uh, and retire from Formula One. You know, that, that possibility is there too. So is uh, Safnauer just, uh, is he being a little bit coy? Is he, uh, you know, you know, is he just uh, playing it cool that, uh, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, Vettel might be an option uh, there for next year? And, uh, you know, there's something in the works he just doesn't want to, to reveal just yet. Or is it a genuine, uh, well, I wouldn't say disinterest or just an admission that uh, that uh, Vettel is an option, isn't an option uh, for, for 2021. Um, anyways, uh, Total Wolf says that, uh, you know, his interest in Sebastian Vettel going to Mercedes is not what he called lip service. Um, so anyways, uh, obviously we knew a couple of weeks ago that uh, Sebastian Vettel will not be staying with uh, Ferrari beyond the end of the uh, the, the, the season. Uh, we know obviously that Carlos Sainz has been uh, confirmed to, to be going there on a multi-year deal starting uh, next year. So th- this is all uh, we, we know. So anyways, uh, you know, Total Wolf said about uh, a week ago that, uh, you know, he would uh, consider all options uh, for, for next year including uh, Sebastian uh, Vettel um, anyways uh, you know he, he, he did go on to, to clarify that uh, and uh, Toto had to say quote we were quite surprised with the early movements because you need to start the season with a driver that you know you're going to lose it's very tricky to develop a car without having that driver be a part of it and every single driver needs to be a team player as well and that becomes second priority in my opinion for the relevant guy for us we want to make take our time our priority lies on the Mercedes drivers uh, Valtteri and uh, Lewis and then obviously George in the Williams situation we're looking at with interest. Beyond that, you don't discount any driver. That is why I do not want to discount Sebastian as a four-time world champion because who knows what will happen in the next months. If I had told you in January we would not have any racing in the first half of the year, nobody would have believed it. So in that respect, we are just keeping our options open at this stage, end quote. And I think uh, obviously, uh, Toto would uh, you know I I, I th- why wouldn't you if if your team principal and uh, there's a driver with the quality with the resume of Sebastian Vettel on the driver's market, would you not uh, you know want want to keep that uh, in consideration? I mean, it would be an interesting uh, dynamic to to have a team of uh, Sebastian Vettel and uh, and Lewis Hamilton. Uh, that you know I, I've spent some time thinking about uh, how that might uh, you know might actually work, and I'm I'm not sure how that would work but you know i mean when you looked at uh, some of the other uh, potential moves i mean um, yeah he could have stayed put uh, at uh, at uh, at ferrari had they uh, you know the, himself and uh, ferrari been on the same page and apparently neither their short medium or long term goals uh, were were the same and that uh, led the uh, to the decision to to part ways at the end of the year so i mean obviously that that was the number one option uh, for both of them because i mean before that i mean it seemed like it was just going to be a question of uh, when and not if if it sounded like uh, for you know quite some time that uh, it, it sounded like they were just uh, coming towards the end of uh, sorting out a, a new deal at uh, Ferrari for Sebastian and uh, I, I don't know how close they were to uh, you know to ever announcing or, or coming to that agreement uh, together but I certainly uh, you know count me as one of the people that uh, were surprised when I saw the news that uh, that, that Vettel would not be staying at uh, Ferrari for next year. But uh, of course, I mean, uh, Toto, I think he has to consider at the end of the day, what are the, the, the best options that uh, that he has out there? I mean, you know, Mercedes, I mean, this is a team that loves to win. That's their their business. Their their business is not just racing. Their their business is winning and racing. I mean, I mean, it's both of them. And they're very, very good at it. Uh, you know, let, let's uh, be fair about it. I mean, they are very, very good 
at uh, at Formula One and and won a ton of races over the years. So I think he he's just doing his due diligence. I think he's doing his job, and I think uh, you know he, he has to consider all these uh, different options uh, for for all the drivers uh, that are out there, and that will ultimately give them you know the the, the best uh, you know best opportunity uh, to to win and. It would be, I think, fascinating to watch uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, Sebastian Vettel race against each other in the, you know, in the same car. I mean, we've we've seen them race head to head for for different teams, and to see them in the same car in the same team, I think, would be uh, it would be it would be quite something. So, again, the, this is going to have to be uh, one that we're going to have to watch over the you know the coming months. Anyways, um, Toto he's also laughed off. What uh, you know? The, what what has been called a rumor of a rift with the new CEO at uh, at at uh, at uh, Mercedes, and that is uh, Daimler Chief uh, Ola Kalinos. Um and he's uh, you know he's he said again he's stated again that he intends to remain at the uh, you know as team principal. He, he intends to stay with the Mercedes, and uh, I, I think it's uh, <laughs> you know it, it's it's kind of funny how these uh, you know the, these things uh, come up. Anyways, uh, you know there, there's uh, you know uh, there was a question that was uh, posed to him uh, this week about uh, his uh, relationship with Kalanias uh, compared to uh, Dieter Zetsche, the, uh, the the former um, CEO of uh, Daimler. And uh, Toto had say, quote, they are two very different uh, personalities, but uh, with both of whom I have an excellent working relationship and uh, more than that, actually a friendship. With Ola, I had quite a laugh with these rumors uh, that when they came up uh, that there was some dysfunctionality in our relationship. We are on the phone many times every single week and he's very involved. He He's a very good sparring partner for myself, and I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't want to miss in the same way Dieter was. End quote. Anyways, uh, he believes Toto thinks that uh, the, the the reason that the the, the media reports uh, you know doubting that uh, he might stay with the uh, Mercedes uh, have been uh, you know I mean the, the it's it's been sparked off because he's made an investment of his own money into uh, Aston Martin uh, earlier this year. So uh, he had to say, "quote I bought a few shares in Aston Martin as a financial uh, investment. I believe in the brand. I think the strategy is being uh, deployed makes sense." Tobias Moore is the new MD as a guy that. I've known since a long time and I believe he can turn around this business. There's a very strong group of shareholders that are backing Aston Martin today that uh, will not let it down and therefore I've decided to be a part of that group. My executive functions are unchanged. I'm at Mercedes. I'm the team principal. I am a shareholder and it's clear that when there are no other headlines out there that the Aston Martin thing caused some waves but I'm planning with Mercedes and I have the best intention to stay here and that is unchanged end quote. So there you go. Toto putting it to rest once and for all. Or is he? <laughs> Anyways, let's talk uh, now just a uh, final story as we, we get to the end of the show this week. And Zach Brown, CEO of McLaren, believes that the, the arrival of Danny Ricardo will help uh, the development of uh, Lando Norris, who was a rookie in Formula One uh, next year. Or sorry, last year. Next year, what we're talking about here. How can you be a rookie next year when you've already been in the sport uh, for two years? Anyways, Ricardo leaving Renault at the end of this year, going to McLaren next year. And the, I mean, all sort of spark off by well, or part off or I don't know all somehow related to Sebastian Vettel moving on uh, from uh, Ferrari anyways uh, Zach had to say that uh, the arrival of a proven Formula One race winner at uh, McLaren is seen as a very big uh, step in uh, returning the team uh, back into contention uh, you know being into a contending team and uh, at the same time he's also uh, you know excited that uh, that Norris uh, is going to have the benefit of uh, learning uh, from uh, Danny Ricardo because I think Danny's in that real kind of sweet spot in his, in his career for 
for a guy like Nat Lando. I mean, he, he's, you know, he's still pretty young. I mean, he's only what, like, did he turn 30? I mean, he's only about 30. So I mean, he's been in the sport long enough. He's, he's been with a top team. He's won a, you know, won quite a few races and, uh, he's a good driver. So I think that, uh, you know, that's a very beneficial, not to take anything away from Carlos Sainz, who was, uh, Lando's, uh, teammate last year. Uh, and of course, uh, will be, uh, this year as well. But I mean, uh, you know, Danny just having that, uh, you know, little bit, uh, extra, you know, experience in Formula One, I think, uh, will be, uh, very good. Anyways, uh, Zach had to say, quote, we wanted Danny the first time around before he went to Renault. I've been a Daniel fan for many years. I think he's awesome on the track, super aggressive. He's not scared of anyone and he's got great pace. I think he's a driver capable of winning a world championship in a world championship car. Hopefully we're not far away from giving him that. I don't think it's going to be uh, in 21 because that'll be a carryover from this year's car, but hopefully in 22 and beyond, we'll uh, continue to step up the grid, end quote. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that's, uh, you know, that, that that's a very good point. Uh, you know, what, what Zach is saying, I think uh, obviously they are not uh, going to have it's i mean everybody's going to be kind of in the same uh you know it's going to be weird the next uh, little while i mean it's there's going to be this kind of like interim uh, period where the sort of a limited development on the cars uh they're going to be allowed for for next year i mean it's basically going to carry over with the new cars uh you know coming out to going to be rolled out in, in in 2022 but you know i i mean you got to have a good driver in the team and give them a good car i mean um the the I mean, it was well-intentioned to get Fernando Alonso there several years ago. But I mean, the car wasn't in the greatest place. The engine, the Honda, even though they've come a long way uh, since then. Obviously, the you know last year with the Red Bull was uh, you know a very good season. Finally, went uh, yeah you know they they made some concrete steps forward. Won uh, you know a couple of races, which was uh, wonderful. But uh, you know it, it just uh, you know before that when they were with McLaren, just wrong timing you know for for both of those. And then the same thing with uh, with the Fernando. But now you got Ricardo coming along at the right time, and uh, you know he's going to be there. For for, for several years so who knows how that works out and then certainly with Lando uh, being there in uh, you know and and you know the start of his career in Formula One the timing is uh, you know very good as well anyways I think I'm going to leave it there for uh, for now it's time to wrap it up uh, you know hopefully this uh, doesn't too sound too bad when it uh, comes out to uh, the other side everything seems to have uh, dried off uh, a little bit uh, so I've learned my lesson no more drinks in the studio while the the recording equipment is uh, running and uh, that's it i hope you all have a, a good week stay safe stay healthy be kind to one another and until next time if you want to get in touch send me an email on uh, at uh, scuderia f1 pod at gmail.com or tweet me at scuderia f1 pod and that's it that's a wrap talk to you again this time next week ciao Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.